Good morning. It is great to be together this morning. I want to start out by taking a little bit of a look forward. Um, next week is a special Sunday here at Netherwood Park. It's the Sunday that we honor our graduates, our high school graduates. We celebrate with those families whose kids are graduating from high school. And it's something that we want to do together, all of us together. So next week we will have a combined worship service. So this service will not meet. We'll have Bible class at its regular time and then a combined service beginning at 11 o'clock. And then after that we will have a potluck together over in the gym, and I want to encourage all of you to plan on being here, bring lots of food, plan on being uh, together so we can celebrate those graduates together. Also, as an added incentive, you'll have a break from me next week. Anthony will be preaching, so you can have um, a time away from me and a time with Anthony, which is always a good time, so plan on being here for that as well. Also, I want to give us a Project 6K update as we are working towards reading at least 6,000 books of the Bible in 2016. To date, we, as a body, have read 3,362 books of the Bible, which is phenomenal. Good job. Keep it up. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for all the ways that you bless us. But, Father, we are especially mindful of your Son, Jesus Christ, who, who died for us. And Father, our desire is to truly be the body of Christ. Father, to to live with Jesus as our head and with each one of us doing our part. And Father, we want to be a body where healing takes place and where restoration takes place. And Father, we want to be known as that kind of body so that when people ask and look and listen to who we are and what we're about, they'll know that we are Christ's. We are his body. We belong to him. Father, help us as we strive to do that. And we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, today we are going to continue to talk about the body of Christ. We began this short series with a look at the body of Christ we aspire to be. And we aspire to be a body that does the unimaginable things that our Father has equipped us to do. We aspire to be the body that does unimaginable things that our head, Jesus Christ, calls us to do. And as we were talking about that, we also acknowledge that we often as a body don't perform like the body we aspire to be. We confess together that we often don't do the unimaginable things that we are equipped and called to do. And we saw that one of the reasons why we aren't what we aspire to be is because of injuries that often occur to one or more parts of the body. And we know that if even one part of the body, if even one member of the church is injured, we're all injured. And we know that if one part of the body suffers, we know that we all suffer. But we don't aspire to be a body that just suffers together. We also aspire to be a body that heals together. So last week we watched as Jesus got up from a table and he took off his outer garments and he tied a towel around his waist and we watched as he went to his knees to wash the apostles' feet. And we saw that when he came to Peter, that Peter reacted in a different way to Jesus' desire to serve. Peter said, no. He said, you will never wash my feet 
And as we looked at that interaction, we learned that there are two requirements that must be in place for us to not only suffer together, but also heal together. We learned that there are two attitudes that must be in place for the church to be a healing place, a place where healing does take place. From Peter, we learned that healing can only take place in the, Peter, in the, in the body if each one of us, if every one of us will allow others to serve us, serve us when we're injured. Healing will only take place if I will allow you to go to your knees for me when I am suffering. And from Jesus, we learned that healing can only take place in the body if each one of us will serve others when they are injured. Healing can only take place if I will willingly go to my knees for you when you are injured, when you are suffering. And in the body of Christ, our goal isn't just to sympathize with each other. We don't want to be a body that just sympathizes with each other when we're suffering. And our goal isn't even just to remove the pain when we are hurting. No, our true goal is different than that. Obviously, we want to be sympathetic and certainly we want to help remove each other's pain. But our true goal is restoration. Our true goal is to restore each injured body part to full function. The true goal of the body is to restore each injured member, each injured member of the church back to full strength. And we want to do that because when one part of the body is healed, the entire body is healed. When one part of the body is strengthened, the entire body is strengthened. And when the body of Christ is healthy and when the body of Christ is strong, then we're able to do the unimaginable things that God has equipped us to do. So healing is an important function of the church. Healing is a vital responsibility of the body. Restoration is an important function of the church. Restoration is a vital responsibility of the body. In fact, healing and restoration are a hallmark of the church. Healing and restoration are a hallmark. They're a sign. They're a marker of Jesus Christ. A marker and a sure sign of his body, the church. In the Gospels, we see a fascinating exchange between John the Baptist and Jesus. It's fascinating on lots of levels, but one of the things that's fascinating about it is that it doesn't occur face-to-face. The exchange takes place between messengers. So John the Baptist, the one who had boldly pointed to Jesus as the coming Messiah, is now in prison. And John is hearing reports about all of the things that Jesus is doing. And John just wants to make sure He just wants one last confirmation that Jesus truly is the one. So John does this. We take up our reading in Luke 7, verse 17. Luke 7 and 17. This is after Jesus had raised the dead son of a widow, raised him to life. And as you might expect, we read news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. And John's disciples told John about all these things. So John called two of them, and he sent them to the Lord to ask, 
Are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? And so when the messengers came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one? Or should we expect someone else? Well, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sickness, and evil spirits. And he gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to John's messengers. He said, go back and report to John what you have seen and what you have heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Isn't that interesting? John wants to know, are you the one? And how does Jesus reply? Well, Jesus replies by saying, go back and tell John what I'm doing. Go back and tell John what your eyes see. Go back and tell John what your ears hear. And Jesus says, that's the confirmation that I'm the one. The Christ heals the injured. The Christ brings good news to the suffering. See, healing is a hallmark. Healing is a sure sign that Jesus is the Christ. And healing is a hallmark. Healing is a sure sign that the church is the body of Christ. So I ask, when people look at Christ's body, when they look at his church, what do they see? When people hear about Christ's body, when they hear about the church, what do they hear? Is the church a place where healing occurs? Is the church known as a place where healing occurs? Is there good news for the injured in the body of Christ? Those are important questions because we need to understand that there are messengers from the world that surround us all the time. And those messengers are asking the same questions that John was asking of Jesus Christ. Those messengers are asking, is the church really the one? Those messengers are asking, is the church really, is it really the body of Christ? And how should we reply? How should we respond? Well, I think we should reply and respond like Jesus replied and like Jesus responded. We should be able to say, go back and tell the world what we're doing. Go back and tell the world what your eyes have seen and what your ears have heard. That should be the confirmation that we belong to the one. That should be the affirmation that we are the body of Christ. Because in the body of Christ, the injured should be healed. In the body of Christ, the suffering should be receiving good news. Healing is a hallmark. Healing is a sure sign that we are the body of Christ. You see, we can't go out and tell a suffering world, we can't go out and tell an injured world that healing is available in the body of Christ if healing isn't occurring in the body of Christ. We can't go out and we can't tell people in the world that restoration 
is available in the body of Christ, if restoration isn't occurring in the body of Christ. And healing and restoration aren't just about removing pain. Healing and restoration aren't just about the absence of suffering. Healing and restoration have to be about performance. Healing and restoration have to be about function. Let me illustrate it this way. Most of you know Britton Pruitt. He's usually at the second service. He's not in this service. Most of you know that not too long ago, Britton Pruitt had surgery on his ankle. He was injured. And most of you saw Britton getting around this church building after his surgery with what's known as a knee walker. Looks like a scooter to me, but they call it a knee walker. It's basically a scooter that supports an injured leg and allowed Britain to move around without putting weight on his injured leg. So now let me ask you a series of questions when we're thinking about Britain and his, his knee walker. When you saw Britain using his knee walker, did you assume that he was injured or that he was healed? Well, we assume he's injured, right? Or otherwise he wouldn't be using the knee walker. So was Britain able to function? The answer is yeah. Britain was able to function. Was Britain able to fully function? No, he wasn't able to fully function. I didn't once see him try to take that knee walker up the stairs or down the stairs. He wasn't able to do all the things he was able to do. He wasn't able to fully function. When we saw Britain using his knee walker... What did we assume was Britain's goal? Well, we assume his goal was to rehabilitate, to restore that leg to full function. That's why he was using it now, because the the goal was to get rid of it, to not have it anymore. So now imagine this. Imagine we're a year from now, and Britain comes in, and he's still using that knee walker. And we have this conversation with Britain. Hey, Britain, are you in pain? Britain says, no, I feel great. Well, what does the doctor say about your ankle? Oh, he says it's all healed up. He says, it's good to go. It's fully healed. What would we next ask Britain? Well, then, why are you using the scooter, Britain? Why are you going around like you only have one good leg if it's healed, if you're free from pain, if it's been restored to health? question is, why don't you trust your ankle enough to put weight on it? See, and I think in the body of Christ, that often happens to us. See, we can't be just about healing. We also have to be about restoration. We have to be a, a place where we, the, the body of Christ, where we, the members of the church, aren't just being healed, but we're being restored to our full function. For the body of Christ to function like it has been equipped to function, the healed members of the body have to be healed and restored to their function in the church. We have to get rid of the knee walkers. We have to get rid of the crutches. And I'm telling you, that's often not easy for us to do. And it's often not easy for us to do because restored function of an individual member requires restored trust. Restored trust in an individual member. 
See, for a body part to be restored again, for a part of the church to be restored again, the rest of the body has to trust it again. So restored function requires restored trust by the rest of us. Most of us are very familiar with those heartbreaking scenes that occurred in the last hours of Jesus' life. And for most of us, one of the most devastating images from those hours is watching Peter deny Jesus once, and then twice, and then a third time as the rooster crows. And we know that those denials left Peter injured. They left him suffering. They left him damaged. And you know, it would have been really easy for the rest of the apostles and for all of the disciples. It would have been understandable for the rest of the body to leave Peter that way. To leave him injured and suffering and damaged. I mean, after all, how could he possibly be trusted again? How could they know that Peter wouldn't deny Jesus again? How could they know that Peter wouldn't let the body down once he was put under pressure again? Maybe it would be better just to put Peter on a scooter. Maybe it would be better to just limp along without Peter. But Jesus had very different plans for his body. He had bigger plans for his church. He had unimaginable plans for his church and for injured Peter. And for Jesus' church to function the way it was intended to function, Peter had to be able to function like he was intended to function. So what did Jesus do? Well, after he was resurrected, he not only healed Peter, he trusted Peter. And because he trusted Peter, he restored Peter. You'll remember the interchange that Jesus had with Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Then a second time, Jesus said, Peter, do you truly love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then a third time, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So Peter wasn't just healed. Peter was restored. And when Pentecost came, when the church was established, Peter wasn't off to the side, riding on a scooter. And the body of Christ wasn't just limping along. No, Peter was up front. Peter was central. Peter was able to, wait, to bear the weight of the body of Christ because he had been healed and he had been restored. Peter was able to feed Jesus' sheep because he had not only been healed, he had been restored to full function. So when we as a body, when we as a church, when we individually are wondering whether we can ever again trust a body part, when we're wondering whether we can ever again trust a member of the church who has failed, who has let us down, we need to remember Peter. 
failed Peter, suffering Peter, damaged Peter, injured Peter. But after he interacted with Jesus, he was healed Peter. He was restored Peter. He was trusted Peter. See, to restore, we must have trust. We must have absolute trust. Not absolute trust in each individual member, because people who have failed us in the past may fail us again in the future. But we're to have absolute trust in God. Why are we able to trust each other? We're able to trust each other because we have an absolutely trustworthy God. We trust in each other because we trust our God. We trust our God's ability to fully restore. We trust each other because our God is absolutely trustworthy. I think King David understood God's ability to heal and restore better than most. Listen to what he understood about our God. We opened our time reading Psalm 23.1 where David said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David understood that God is the healer and God is the restorer. He leads, he restores, he guides, he comforts. In Psalm 28, verse 6, we read, Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for you, and I will give thanks to him in song. See, David understood that God is the healer and God is the restorer. He hears and he heals. Then in Psalm 34, 17, we read this. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. David understood that God is the healer and God is the restorer. He hears, he delivers, he saves, he protects, he redeems. So how do we respond to a God like that? How do we respond to a God who is the healer and who is the restorer? More specifically, how should we respond when we're the injured ones? How should we respond now that we are healed and now that we are restored? How do we respond when we've been injured and we know that God has healed and restored us? And also, how should we, as the body of Christ, how should we respond when other parts of the body, other members of our church have been healed and restored by God? Well, for answers to that, let's listen to two more healing stories. The first healing story is out of Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. 
And as he was going from village to village, ten men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And they went, and they were clean, cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now for the second healing story, Luke chapter 18, verse 35. This is the one that was read before. As Jesus approaches Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside and he was begging And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. So how should we respond when we are healed? How should we respond when we are restored? Well, we should respond like that one leper, and we should respond like this one blind beggar. And first, we should respond by acknowledging the healer. Acknowledging the one who allowed this to happen, who made this happen, the one who made our healing possible. Who is it that makes our healing possible? Who is it that makes our restoration possible? Who has pity on us? Who has Mercy on us. It's the one who deserves our thanks. It's the healer who made it possible. It's Jesus who had mercy. It's Jesus who is deserving of our thanks. So when we are healed and restored, we respond by acknowledging that it was Jesus who healed and it was Jesus who restored. And because he has healed us and because he has restored us, we must give thanks and we must give praise. We must worship the healer. We must worship the restorer. We must worship Jesus Christ. We acknowledge Jesus. We thank Jesus. We praise Jesus. And then we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus in a unique way. We follow Jesus by attaching ourselves to his body. By attaching ourselves to his church. By strengthening our bonds to his body. By strengthening our bonds to his church. See, because we are healed, because we are restored, the body is healed. The body is restored. 
It's restored to do unimaginable things. How can we not praise our Lord? And how about the rest of the body? How should we respond when you are healed? How should we respond when you are restored? How should you respond when I'm healed? How should you respond when I am restored? We should respond with great joy. With great joy. Because healing has occurred. Not just to the individual body part, but to the entire body, to all of us. We should respond by praising our God. For you are healed, and so are we. Because I am healed, and so are you. Praise God with great joy. And we respond by restoring, and we respond by trusting See, we cannot be the body that we are called to be. We can't be the body we aspire to be. We can't be the body we are equipped to be if we're a body that's full of knee walkers and full of crutches. We have to restore the body. Christ heals, and so must his body. But Christ also restores, and so too must his body. And Christ trusts. He trusts those who have been injured, and he has restored, and so too must his body. We must trust. And we must look forward to what God is going to do with his body here at Netherwood Park. What he will do if this is a place of healing. What he will do if this is a place of restoration. What he will do if this is a place of trust. And if this is a place of healing. And if this is a place of restoration. And if this is a place of trust. Then we'll be able to turn our focus away from those old injuries. Be able to get rid of the scooters and get rid of the crutches. And instead look forward to our future, together of doing unimaginable things in God's kingdom and for God's kingdom. I want to end our time together with a prayer. It's the prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. I'm going to ask everybody to stand and bow with me as I pray this prayer. And then after that prayer, then we'll be singing a song together. Let's pray together. Father, it's for this reason that we come before you, our Father. Our Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And Father, we pray that out of your glorious riches, you will strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being. So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And Father, we pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Jesus Christ. And Father, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, Father... 
to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And the church said, Amen. Now let's sing together as we look forward to the day that we will be all together as a body of Christ, perfectly restored in God's holy kingdom in heaven. Let's sing together. Sing, Lord, like a shepherd.